God. I'm going to be teaching a series this weekend about how to fulfill God's will for your life. And uh, let me just introduce this by saying that I had a teaching, uh, a three-part series on how to find God's will for your life. And then I had another teaching entitled, How to Fulfill Your Destiny. And I combined those two teachings into one teaching that I taught in Orlando a few weeks ago about how to find God's will. Then this is going to all be about how to fulfill God's will. There's a big difference between finding and fulfilling, or excuse me, following. And then the third series, which is the next GTS, is going to be about how to fulfill God's will. And I'm really excited about this. I taught those first five teachings in Orlando, and I hadn't got time to go back through that. But we do have copies of the Orlando GTS. If anybody would like to get those, we have those uh, with us, and you can get that. And I really encourage you to do this. Because what I've discovered is that most people want to find God's will for their life, but they actually have no plan about how to do it. They just kind of hope that it happens. And they... A lot of people don't even have the confidence that you can know for certain what God's will for your life is. But they just kind of are depending on fate to somehow or another make this happen. They desire to fulfill God's will, but they don't even know for sure what it is. And I am convinced that unless you get a goal, unless you know what God's will for your life is, you are not going to accidentally fulfill it. It doesn't just sovereignly come to pass. And anyway, I've spent a lot teaching in that first set on that. But this is something that you need to understand, that you need to get a revelation of God's will for your life. And I went to great lengths to show that God has separated every person in here from your mother's womb. There's scriptures in Psalms 139, Galatians 1, 5, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, and other places that talk about that every one of us were separated while we were still in our mother's womb. God had a purpose for your life. Whether your parents knew you were coming or not, God knew it. And God had a plan for you. And you only have one shot to fulfill, to find and fulfill God's will for your life. You aren't going to accidentally do it. And it's amazing how most people let circumstances just kind of control their life. You know, it's similar to water. I remember in school they taught us that water always seeks the lowest level. Any of you remember that? That water will always just flow to the lowest level. It will always take the easiest course, the path of least resistance. And sad to say, that's the way that a lot of people's lives are. They let life just kind of push them around. And depending on what problems or what things happen in their life, they let things just kind of move them and control them. And I tell you, every person that I'm aware of in the Word of God who made a difference, and you can look at their life and say it counted, that they found God's will. Things were different because God flowed through them supernaturally. There's not a single person that just accidentally had this happen. They had an encounter with God. God touched their life. He set a goal in front of them, and they had to pursue it. And so finding out what God's will for your life is, is just absolutely critical. And again, based not only on this last Gospel Truth Seminar we have, but just my contact with people in general, I've done this many times. And I've had spirit-filled Christians, people who love God, people who are seeking God, people who are trying to serve God. 
I've given an invitation and I've said, how many of you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are doing what God has called you to do? If you don't know it, I want you to stand and we're going to pray for you. And it is not uncommon in a meeting like this to have 80 or 90% of Spirit-filled Christians stand and say they don't know. They're hoping that they're headed in the right direction, but they don't have any assurance. And I'm telling you, that is not what the Scriptures teach. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Don't be ignorant, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's a command. Amen. It's not only possible for some people, God commanded you to know what His will is. God wants you to know His will for your life more than you want to know it. And I tell you, unless you have a clear purpose, it doesn't mean that you know everything because I, you know, it's steps and stages, but unless you have a goal, a direction for your life, then when things get hard, you are going to fall by the wayside. You aren't going to persevere unless you know that, God, I know you have this goal for me and I am not stopping short of it. And it's amazing to me how many people go through their life without this kind of motivation and assurance. And I'm not saying this to scold anybody. I'm saying it to encourage you and to motivate you. But I'm telling you that God made us for more than what most of us are experiencing. Most people are shooting at nothing and hitting it every time. I'm telling you that there is more to life than getting up and going to work and coming home and sitting down and watching TV and going to bed and getting up and then doing it all over again. I'm not saying that God you know, doesn't want you to work and do things, but I'm saying that there's more to life than just putting in, you know, your, your time and getting a pension or enough so that you can go out and enjoy your latter years and dying and being gone and nobody knew that you were here. God's never made a piece of junk. God's never made a failure. Every one of you have the potential of being something absolutely awesome. And that doesn't mean that every person is going to be known worldwide. But you know what? God doesn't want everybody out in front of the camera or up in front of the, the multitudes. Not everybody is going to be doing some, something that the world considers great. But there are people around you that you influence. And I could spend $10 million a month on television. And those people will never hear of me. I'll never reach them but you have influence on them. People at the convenience store, your mailman, relatives, friends, neighbors. There are people that you touch that nobody else touches. And unless you find God's purpose and will for your life and begin to fulfill it and step out, you've got other people's miracles on the inside of you that are going to go undelivered. And people will be struggling physically. They'll be struggling with diseases and you're the one that's carrying the power of God and they aren't going to receive their miracle unless you find out what God's purpose is and begin to fulfill it. Amen? Amen. I'm not going to go back and preach those five messages, but I got close. <laughs> so anyway, I encourage you to please, you know, I, I'm going to go on and I'm going to assume here that people know that God has a will and a destiny for you. And one other thing I need to say, because this is going to be essential to what I minister tonight. But the scriptures that God used to change my life was Romans 12, 1 and 2. Those were the very first verses that God ever really spoke to me. And that says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This isn't just for the super saint. This isn't just for the preachers. This is for Joe Blow and Jane Doe, Christian. Every one of us, it is reasonable. It is not unreasonable to think that if Jesus died for us, the least we should do is live for Him. He wants us to present our body as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. Some translations say our normal or our uh, reasonable Christian duty. This is, this is for everyone. We should be a living sacrifice. And then the second thing in verse 2, it says, and be not conformed to this world. Big statement there. Big statement. And again, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this to be hard on anybody, but trying to bring us up to another level. You know, this is the cream of the crop right here. This is Thursday night. This isn't your nod to God crowd. You guys are fanatics, or either a fanatic drug you here, amen. You're, you're maybe a cut above the average Christian, and yet I can guarantee you that there are people right here in this room that if you were arrested for being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict you. There's people at your workplace that would be shocked to find out that you're a believer. Shocked to find out that you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues or healing or miracles or shocked to find out that you'd come out to a service on a Thursday night. That's not to criticize anybody, but I'm saying that, you know what? We have been conformed to this world. There are many of us that aren't reflecting God. How is it that you are not conformed to this world? It says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. That word transformed is a Greek word, metamorpho. It's a word that we use to get metamorphosis from. If you want to change like a worm spins a cocoon and then comes out on the other side a butterfly, something that was earthbound and now it flies and it's beautiful. If you want transformation in your life like that, the scripture says you do it by the renewing of your mind. And the number one way that God has given us to renew our mind is right here, the word of God. This is, these are his thoughts. These are his values. And you are not going to be renewed and transformed unless you know the Word of God, unless it is real to you and alive to you. If you don't really know God's Word, I can guarantee you whether you understand it or not, you are conformed to this world. We are under the guilt and the condemnation and the depression and the unbelief of this world. And this is where the vast majority of the body of Christ lives because they haven't really saturated themselves with the Word of God. And the last part of that verse says that if you do these things, you will prove. The word prove means to make manifest to your physical senses what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. So the number one way that you find God's will for your life is by just giving yourself completely to God, making yourself a living sacrifice, totally acceptable unto Him. And then you get into the Word of God and renew your mind and you would have to backslide on God to keep from finding His will. He will plant things in your way. He will begin to start moving in your life in such a way that you couldn't miss God's will. It's not hard to find God's will. The Lord wants you to know it.
But it's a shame that most of us either don't believe that God has a specific will for each of us. Maybe this is only reserved for the preachers. But no, God has a specific plan for every single one of you. Or if you believe He's got it, some people think it's just so hard to find. It's not hard to find, but you've got to go through this little narrow gate called being a living sacrifice and make a commitment to the Lord. And if you will commit yourself to the Lord, I guarantee you God will reveal Himself to you and awesome things will begin to happen. If you aren't excited about your life, you know what? If you're bored, if you're depressed, I can guarantee you it's not your hormones. It's the fact that you don't have a goal. You don't have a vision. You don't understand what God's will for your life is. When you find the Lord's will and God reveals Himself to you, God is going to call you to do something that's beyond your natural ability. I can guarantee you that. If, it's, if you think that, well, I know what God's will is and I can handle it, you don't know what God's will is. God is supernatural and God is going to call you to do something that's beyond your natural ability. It'll, beyond, it'll be beyond your reach and grasp. And the reason He does that is because He wants you to be dependent upon Him. He doesn't, he's not going to call you to do something that you can do in yourself. It'll be bigger than you so that you'll have to rely upon Him. And this is one reason that so many people miss the will of God is because they're just looking at themselves in the natural, thinking, what are my natural abilities? What, do I, what can I do? And they pick and choose what their life is about based on your own talents and abilities. That is not it. God wants you to operate supernaturally. Matter of fact, if you wanted to read a resume or a job wanted Add by the Lord. Look at this over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is a little bit off where I was headed, but this will bless you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says in verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. This is just like if God had a bulletin board And he says, you know, help wanted. And he says, here's your qualifications. If you are not wise, if you're weak, if you are not noble, if you consider yourself to be foolish, if you're weak, if you're base, if you're despised, apply within. This is not the way that men look at things. And you know, some people think, well, this excludes me. It really doesn't. (laughs) You may not understand that, but I don't care if you got a degree behind your name. You could have 32 degrees and still be frozen. It doesn't matter how educated you are in the natural. When it comes to God, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. 
There are so many scriptures that say, don't lean under your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. If you are really enamored with who you are and what you can do, then I can guarantee you, you have not encountered God's will for your life. Thank you for that one head nod. (laughs) A lot of people don't like that because again, most of us are trying to accomplish things in our own strength and in our own power and we go to great lengths to get all of this education and do these things. I'm telling you, God is going to call you to do something that's beyond you. If you can do it, you don't need God. God is going to call you to do something supernatural. Did you know what I'm doing right here? I used to be an introvert. Couldn't look at a person in the face and talk to them. This, was, this is absolutely impossible. Some of you don't understand that. You don't appreciate it, but I do. This is absolutely impossible. God called me to do something that if you would have been checking off my list of natural things that I had talents and abilities for, it wouldn't have been speaking in front of people. Amen. God will call you to do something that is beyond you. God is looking for weak, base, despised things. You know, I had a guy one time that uh, came to hear me in Denver, Colorado, and he had been called to the ministry for 12 years, but when he tried to go into the ministry, his wife got mad and divorced him and left, and he, his family fell apart. He lost his job. Just He was struggling. And for 12 years, he'd been called into the ministry and he came and heard me and saw miracles happen. People got healed, delivered, saved, things happened. And anyway, he wrote in a letter. My mother just thought this was hilarious. So she brought it to me so I could read it. And he says, told me all of this. And he says, I was called to the ministry for 12 years and thought God couldn't use me. But after seeing God use you, he says, I decided I could go into the ministry. If God could use you, he can use anybody. And my mother just thought that was hilarious. But I said, man, I know exactly what he's talking about. I had another letter and somebody says, why do you have to be a hick from Texas before God will use you and put me in the, you know, in the category with some other people? And I said, it's because hicks from Texas know that we hadn't got a chance. We need God. And there are some of you that maybe you've got greater talents and abilities than I do, but the reason that you aren't being used is because you depend upon yourself and you are only doing what you have ability to do. And God is wanting you to do something greater. You know, I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. Nobody has the ability to do that. Nobody in your natural self can see people raised from the dead. And yet God gave every one of us a command to go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, Raise the dead. See, if you're one of these that you're just trying to do your best and then you ask God to bless it, you're missing God's will. God doesn't want you to do your best and ask God to bless it. God has a plan for you that's beyond you and once you find out what God's will is, you never have to ask for God's blessing on it. God would be unjust to call you to do something and expect you to do it in your own natural strength and ability. If God told you to do something and if you know God told you to do it, then there's automatically with the calling comes an enabling, an anointing that enables you to do what God told you to do. And once you understand this, it makes a Christian life so much easier. And I really believe that this is one reason so many people are frustrated is because they want to be 
They want to be godly. They want their life to count, but they are doing their thing in their own strength and their own ability and asking God to bless it, not sure that God is totally behind it. And man, it'll wear you out. But there is a supernatural ability that once you know what God has called you to do, it just changes everything. And you've got to find that. You only have one chance to reach your full potential. And if, perchance, you're one of these people that is so talented that you can survive on your talents and abilities, I pity you. Because that means that you tend to rely upon yourself. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to be in a situation where, God, if you don't come through, I've had it. It makes you God-dependent. I teach our students that, you know what, there ought to be a godly fear on the inside of you when you stand up to minister the Word. Instead of you being so confident in your ability, it's good for you to recognize, God, I need you. Amen. 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 Look over in Psalms chapter 37. I want to share something really simple with you, and this is dependent upon some of the things that I've already said before you can operate in this. This is so simple, you're going to have to have somebody to help you to misunderstand what I'm saying. This is really going to be simple. And it's going to be so simple that some of you are going to think, no, it's got to be more complicated than this. This is really simple. But it's profound. And it, 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 I guarantee you, it will make a huge difference in your life if you can understand and receive what I'm talking about right here. Psalms chapter 37, verse 1, he says, Fret not thyself... Because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And it goes on. There's a lot of great scriptures here. But I was wanting to focus your attention on verse 4. This is really simple. But it says, delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Did you know most people interpret this? That God will just give you the things that you desire. And maybe what you desire is a million dollar house. You desire this job. You desire this promotion. You desire this car. And God's going to give you the desires of your heart. Some of you desire somebody else's wife. And God is not going to give you that desire. This is not a carte blanche that is just whatever it is that you want. God is going to give it to you. You know what this is saying? This is saying that when you delight yourself in the Lord, God puts His desires... In your heart. When a person is truly seeking the Lord and saying, God, I love you and I want your will, and you are seeking God with your whole heart, did you know what will happen is God will change the desires of your heart so that you start desiring godly things. Probably most of you in here have experienced this. When you got born again, there were probably some of you that were you know, committing adultery or doing dope or alcohol or who knows whatever it is that you were doing. And when you truly gave your life to the Lord and put Him first in your life, all of a sudden you just change. I mean, God changes you. Now, that doesn't mean that you necessarily have total victory over all of these things that you used to do because the Scripture talks about 
that if you've been preached the law, the strength of sin is the law. If you've had people tell you that God won't bless you, God doesn't love you unless you're living holy and doing all of that, that actually strengthens sin in your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says the strength of sin is the law. If people are telling you that you've got to be holy before God will bless you, that will strengthen sin and defeat you. But if you are truly born again, even if you've been under that condemnation, you no longer enjoy it the way you used to. Some of you used to do things and you just went out and you sinned and did stuff and hardly had a thought about it. But if you've truly been born again, even if you aren't living a victorious life, at least you aren't enjoying it. (laughs) At least you know you're wrong and you're saying, oh God, help me to get over it. That's a sign, see, that when you put God in your life, God changes the desires of your heart. Things that you used to do and not feel any conviction about, now you feel conviction about it. Probably nearly everybody in here has experienced that to some degree. And I'm telling you that as you really commit your life to the Lord and put Him first in your life, that this just accelerates and brings you to a place where if you can truthfully say that you are delighting yourself in the Lord, then God is the one who is ordering the desires of your heart. Now that's a big if, and I want to just emphasize this. Because there's some people that could say, oh yeah, I'm delighting myself in the Lord. Really, this goes along with what I was uh, saying earlier out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that you have to make yourself a living sacrifice. That's just our normal duty. You have to be a living sacrifice committed to God, which not every Christian is there. You have to be totally committed, sold out to God. This doesn't mean that you're perfect, but you desire to seek God with your whole heart. All of us are having to deal with flesh. All of us have to deal with the fact that we live in a sinful world and that we have thoughts and emotions and sometimes we obey them and act incorrectly. I'm not saying that you are living perfect, but I'm saying that you should have a desire that God, I want to live for you more than I want to live for me. And if you are doing that, that's delighting yourself in the Lord. And if you are doing that, then God will put his desires into your heart. That is super simple. You know, I was talking with Tom. We were driving today on uh, the interstate here and we were talking about Atlanta and about all of the traffic and all of the people. And um, anyway, Tom was telling me that when he and Cindy drove through here, one of the first times they drove through Atlanta, They were driving through and they got stuck in a traffic jam and he said something to the effect of who would ever want to live in Atlanta? (laughs) Is that what you said? Huh? Oh yeah, why why would anybody want to live in this God-forsaken city? That's what he said. But did you know that then God spoke to him? And God told him to come here. And you know what? Now he loves it. He loves living here. He says, man, that his whole family is just so excited about it and everything. You know, I can relate to that. That I said nearly word for word the first time I ever drove through Pritchett, Colorado. Jamie and I had Don and Wendy Crow in the car with us. And we drove through this little tiny place. The only, it was just a straight road. 
within uh, no trees. It was on eastern Colorado, and there's no trees anywhere in all of Baca County except in these little tiny towns, 144 people in Pritchett. And you come in and you make a turn and go through about five houses and turn and you're gone. (laughs) And when we drove through Pritchett, Colorado, 144 people, I I said, who would live in this God forsaken place? And I looked over at Don and started prophesying and said, thus saith the Lord, I believe that God has called you and Wendy to Pritchett, Colorado. And I started joking with them. You know, it wasn't two months until I was living in Pritchett, Colorado. I think that God kind of has a sense of humor. You got to be careful what you say. But did you know that when we moved to Pritchett, Colorado, we had a church of 10 people in a town of 144 people and the next closest town was 30 miles away. There wasn't a house in between those towns. I mean, it's not totally at the end of the earth, but you can see it from Pritchett, Colorado. (laughs) And yet, you know, when we moved there, I loved it. I loved it. I'd have been content to stay in Pritchett forever. I just fell in love with it. And see, this is one of the ways that God leads you is the fact that if you all of a sudden get a desire that you know is just totally contrary to what you would naturally do, and yet you've just got this desire, the thing you have to do is to check, am I really delighting in the Lord? Am I really putting God first? Am I really exalting God above myself? And if you can say yes, and you know the scripture says that the heart knows its own bitterness. If you would be honest, you can know whether or not God's first in your life. If God's not first in your life, you can't do this because if, if God isn't first in your life, you're going to lust after things and desire things that aren't God. You know, I was brought up in the Baptist church and they literally said this when they were teaching about how to find God's will. They said, whatever you want to do, do the exact opposite and that's God. I was told that. And did you know that that's true if you are a carnal Christian, a Christian that doesn't put God first and that you are self-serving and you aren't committed to God, then it's true. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the carnal mind is in enmity with God, the enemy of God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And if you are going to be just born again, saved and stuck, waiting on heaven, but you haven't made a commitment of your life and you aren't seeking God with your whole heart, then yes, your desires are not God's desires. And if you aren't truly committed to God, then you can't trust the desires of your heart. But this is one of the greatest revelations that God ever gave me is if you are committed to God and if you have truly made that commitment, again, doesn't mean you're perfect, but if you are committed to God, You know what? God will put His desires in your heart and you can be led by the desires of your heart. That is really simple. But it's profound. That is awesome. I could tell you a hundred stories about all of this. About in my life, how God has led me in some of the greatest decisions I've made in my life were, were made from this little principle that I'm sharing with you. 
You know, when the Lord first touched my life, March the 23rd, 1968, one of the very first things that happened was I fell so in love with God. God was so big to me that I lost a desire for anything else. I was in my first year of college and I had loved college prior to this time. I was excited about going to college and, you know, being out on my own and all of it was exciting. I loved college. It was great. And when I fell in love with the Lord, I fell out of love with college. And I got to where I not only didn't like college, I hated it. I mean, I hated it. It just, it bothered me. I can't, I don't have the words to describe to you how much I hated college all of a sudden. Now that's not for everybody, but God didn't want me to go through four years of secular college and become a teacher, a math major is what I was uh, majoring in. That's not his will for me. And one of the ways that God directed me was he just took away all of that desire for a secular education school that, and he just put my heart in a totally different direction. And did you know it, it literally turned me and put my life on a course that I would have had to backslid on God to keep from doing what God has called me to do. And you know how it all got started? I wasn't sharp enough. I didn't hear an audible voice from God or anything like that. But when I fell in love with God, I fell out of love with all of these other things. And the desire of my heart totally changed me. I'm going to give more detail on that and um, couple this with something that will really help you this week. But it was because a desire changed in my life. Did you know I never wanted a Bible school? I had people ask me hundreds of times, man, you need to start a Bible school. Would you do something that would help us to get grounded in the Word and much more? And I've had people say that, man, the tapes, the CDs aren't enough. Is there some way that you could mentor us, that you could teach us? And you know what? I never wanted a Bible school because I had met people who graduated from Bible schools. And they really bothered me because they came out with knowledge. You know, the scripture says that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. 1 Corinthians 8, 1. And I saw people that had this knowledge and a superior attitude thinking I'm better than you because they could quote a verse or could do something, but they didn't have a better relationship with God. They didn't love God more. And I was really, I just didn't want my name associated with something like that. And I didn't want a Bible school. But I had a strong desire to disciple people. So I was trying to do everything I could to disciple people without having a Bible school. It's a long story. I won't go into the whole thing. But in Mark, in uh, the summer of 1993, I was in the UK and I heard a man say that if you aren't discipling people and putting what God has done on the inside of you inside of other people, he says, you're a failure. He says, it doesn't matter if you reach a thousand people, 10,000 people, a hundred thousand people, your time on this earth is limited. And unless you can take what's in you and put it in other people, you are ultimately a failure. We are supposed to go make disciples and not converts. And I knew those things. I believed it. And it just stirred something in me when he said it. And I thought, God, how can I touch people in a greater way? How can I equip them and help them to start walking in the abundant life that you've made? And the Lord spoke to me, Bible school. And I thought, no, no. And did you, but the reason, anyway, it's a long story. I won't go into the whole thing. The Lord showed me a new approach to a Bible school. 
Yes, we have teaching where you teach the Word and stuff, but it's a lot beyond that. And part of our Bible school is you have to go on a foreign missions trip. You have to start taking the things that you've learned and putting them into practice. You have to act it out. And you get a lot of personal interaction with all of the instructors and stuff. And it's a different, it's a different approach. It's got some of the same things, but it really is unique. And anyway, when the Lord showed this to me, did you know that I mean, just like that in one service, in less than an hour's time, I went from absolutely not, no, never to where God, I want a Bible school. I mean, I wanted a Bible school. I saw it. I saw what it could do. God showed me. And did you know, I mean, boom, just like that, my heart flipped. And we started the Bible school. God never did speak to me in an audible voice. I didn't have it confirmed by three goosebumps and a prophecy. You know what it was? It was the desire of my heart. And it was such a radical change that I knew that this isn't me. Because for 15 years, I had fought against it and said, never, never, never. And all of a sudden, man, I wanted a Bible school. Did you know starting television was the same way? Now, I knew that someday I'd be on television. I'd been on a lot of other people's programs. I'd had good results, and there was an anointing there, and I knew that someday it had happened, but you know what? I knew it was also expensive. I knew it wasn't time, and I was just kind of biding my time. And in the summer of 1998... I mean, I was sitting down thinking about where our ministry was, how we were going to accomplish these goals. And I sat down at the rate our ministry was growing. Before I could really reach America, this was just America, not the whole world, but before I could reach America with the truths God had given me, I figured it out. At the rate we had been growing, I'd be something like 150 at the rate we were going. And I said, God, you know, this isn't working. What do we have to do? And all of a sudden, I sat down and thought about television. And I thought, oh, no, that's way down the road. But I, as I thought about it, all of a sudden, I had a desire to do it. I sat down and actually drew a picture of the set that we're using. All of a sudden, I saw myself. I knew I wasn't going to be wearing a three-piece suit and standing there and saying, glory to God, uh, and wiping the fevered brow. And I just wanted to talk to people and explain the word to them. And I mean, I saw things and within, I mean, within an hour, I was so excited about television, like, man, I've got to do this. I want to be on television. And it was a total 180 degree turn from where I'd been. And I wanted it. And that was such a big decision that, you know, here's what I do. When, when my desires change and all of a sudden I think that God is leading me through a desire, especially if there's going to be big consequences to it, you know what I'll do? I'll just make sure that I am delighting myself in the Lord with all of my heart. And so if I, if I have any question about that, I'll fast. I'll turn off television. I'll get away from other people. I'll just get in a place to where my mind is totally stayed upon God. I won't listen to anything else. I'll seek God with my whole heart. I'll get in and worship and pray and study the Word and just seek God stronger than I have been. And if the desire diminishes, 
then I'll say, you know what? That was probably my flesh because when I get to seeking the Lord and delighting myself in the Lord, the desire decreases. But if I get to seeking God with all of my heart and the desire increases and I start getting further revelation and more understanding about it and it gets stronger and stronger, then I, I have based my life on the fact that if I am seeking God, delighting myself in the Lord, He will put His desires in my heart. And based on nothing but that, I have made these decisions. We started our Bible school. Jamie and I both believe that, you know, if the Lord tarries, that we are going to impact entire nations and probably have a greater impact through training other people than what we could ever do on our own. Through television, we have reached people that I would have never reached just being on radio or doing the things that I was doing. And, you know, every one of these things that I'm telling you about came through just seeking God putting your desire on God and God putting His desires in my heart. And I followed this and I'm telling you, it's working. God is doing awesome things for us and I am absolutely, absolutely confident that I am on the right path. I haven't arrived, but praise God, I've left. I'm moving in the right direction. I know I'm where God wants me to be and I'm telling you, this is how it happens is by putting God absolutely first in your life and then following the desires of your heart. You know, I've got Kevin and Rachel Kuntz out here, my niece, and what are you, you, my nephew-in-law? Is that the right way of saying it? But anyway, they were in Brownwood, Texas, and you know, they had a good thing going. They had a radio program, and they were involved in a church, praise and worship leaders, and they were involved in a large organization that the guy wanted them to stay and be a part of their organization, had a lot of opportunities, and yet they just lost their desire to do what they were doing, and they felt like God was leading them in another direction. And did you know nearly everybody associated with them, including this guy that was over the ministry, who was a good friend of theirs, and he's also a friend of mine, he thought they lost their mind. And they just made some decisions, and... Those decisions have led them here to Atlanta. They love it. And God has blessed them. They've got a group of friends around them. I met some of them tonight. And they are productive. Their kids are blessed. And you know how they got here? By just putting God first. And God changed the desires of their heart. And they, they didn't go with their head. Again, please listen to what I'm saying. Most people will not follow your heart. You let... The conventional wisdom dominates you. Conventional wisdom was that, you know what, they left a decent paying job where their needs were meant. There was advances and opportunities for promotion. And yet they left that. And for a period of time, they struggled financially. And I mean, in the natural, it didn't look smart. Most people would lean unto their own understanding. And they would say, but you know what? Financially, I can't do this. And they let circumstances and they let money dictate to them. And they aren't following the desires of their heart. Brothers and sisters, listen to this. I believe that this is a word from God. There are many of you sitting right here that if you were to just all of a sudden, if if you could do this mentally and say, let's just forget all of my financial obligations. Forget all of the, you know, the fact that I'm this many years away from retirement and getting all of my retirement, my pension fund. 
Forget what your family has to say about it. Forget your fears and phobias about what you can and cannot do. Just take every restriction off of you so that, you know, nothing is holding you back. And, you, and if I asked you, what do you want to do? I bet you that the majority of people sitting right here in this room are not doing what you really want to do. And that is, life is too short to do that. And some of you have prayed, God, what do you want me to do? Your desires are telling you what He wants you to do. If you are really putting God first and if you really love God, what is it that you want to do? I couldn't tell you how many students have come to me and we teach a lot on vision and believing God and making your life count. We tell people that if you aren't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. (laughs) You need to be out there. You need to be doing something. This isn't a dress rehearsal. This is the real deal, amen. You only get one chance. Is anybody going to miss you when you're gone? Have you made a difference? We preach a lot of vision and because of that, I've had students come to me before. And say, man, it's getting near the end of school and I still don't know what God wants me to do. And I've prayed and I just hadn't heard a thing. And you know what I'll do is sit down and do something similar and say, forget money right now. Just act like you got billions of dollars. Money's not even an issue. Forget what your parents, what your relatives, what your whoever has said. Forget past experiences where you feel like I'm a failure in this area. I can't do it. Just forget all of this stuff. And if there were no restrictions on you, what do you want to do? And you know, sometimes people will say, well, I don't really want to do anything. But everybody, everybody, everybody really has some dreams on the inside. And if I can just get them over all of their fears and phobias and out of this mindset of I've got, I've got to do this. It's, you know, the way my life has gone. And just start asking. Every person I've ever sat down and talked to had a desire, had a dream. And as they start expressing it, you know, if I'm familiar enough with them to know them, I can put pieces together and say, well, that's why you're like this. This is why you have this type of personality. Man, this fits perfectly with what, and I can encourage them. And I have talked to dozens, maybe hundreds of people that really did have a word from God, but they didn't trust their own desires. They just thought this was them and they dismissed it. Most of us would rather have an angel appear. We'd rather have an audible voice, a burning bush that would tell us what to do. But I'm telling you, it's as simple as if you just put God first in your life and if you sought Him with your whole heart, what is it that you desire to do? Now again, if you desire somebody else's wife, that's not God. You've got to check these things out with the Word of God. If you desire to go rob a bank, that's not God. You need to get things lined up with the Word of God. But I'm saying if you truly love God and are seeking Him, what is it that God put in your heart? And you know what? You need to follow it. You know, one last testimony that ever since I got born again, well, not ever since, I got born again when I was eight, but ever since I made this total commitment of my life to the Lord and started seeking Him, I mean within a month, of seeking Him, I knew I was going to minister the Word of God. I knew my life was going to be full-time trying to 
share with other people what God had done for me. And I started dreaming about it. And I remember within a month of God touching my life, Joe Nay, this man who was my mentor, we would drive through the country and see big old mansions and houses set on 20 or 30, 40 acres. And we'd think about, wouldn't that be a great place to have as a conference center and bring people in and just dedicate it to the glory of God. And within a month, we started dreaming about things like that. Did you know ever since then, it's now been 42 years, I have been dreaming of having a place where I could bring people and we could just immerse them in the Word and teach them. And, you know, I I wasn't even aware of this. I've done it so much that I never drove anywhere and saw for sale sign without thinking, I wonder if you could make a conference center out of that and bring people in. I wonder if you could do that. I've done this unconsciously. I have looked at hundreds of pieces of property. I have always dreamed of this. Matter of fact, 15 years ago or so, I got so excited about all this, I stayed up for two or three nights drawing pictures of what I believed was going to be a conference center. I just had this desire to have a place where people could come away from all of the pressures of the world, get saturated, soak in the Word of God, And I've always dreamed of this. And it has been so dominant in my life that I've lost sleep over it. And I've actually prayed and asked God, God, take this away if this isn't you. Because it consumed me. I've thought about it so much. And anyway, we had some things happen in 2009 that our ministry is just growing. Our Bible college is growing at such a rate that I couldn't accommodate it. It was obvious that we were outgrowing our building I made a deal with the church next door and we can use their building up to a thousand people. But that we're going to be out of that within three or four years or something like that. And so if we had to build, we had to do something now. And so we were we were at a place where we had to make some decisions about the future. And you know, when we start when I first started thinking about it, I thought, man, maybe we could have this place and have a conference center or something, but it just seemed too far out there. It seemed beyond our reach. And so I called uh, a bunch of my guys, Larry Bozeman, David Hardesty, and Jim Ertle, others together. And the ministry has grown to a place that I can't make this happen. I can give direction, but I can't make those things happen. And so I called them together, and I was going to have a meeting and basically just submit to them what's our next step. And as we drove in, as I drove in, I was praying, and it was scary Because I've had all of these dreams of doing these things for decades. And I was about to submit my vision to other people. And if they said, this is crazy, you can't do this. We've got to break the Bible school away from the ministry or even bring the Bible school into first year in one building, second year in another building. You know, whatever whatever conventional wisdom, whatever the consensus of these guys was, I was basically going to take that as being a word from God. And it was a little scary for me because I'd been dreaming for 40 years and I was about to submit my dream to other people. And I remember praying about it and saying, God, you know, it'll be fine. Whatever. And when we got in, long story short, but we thought about every possible scenario. We all, every person agreed. And I didn't steer this, really. I, I asked them for their input. And every one of them says, man, the ministry and the school are so close. The students work in our school so closely 
I mean, in our ministry that really we can't separate them. And so we decided to keep them together. To do that, we had to have a minimum of like, I don't know, 100 acres would have been probably the minimum that we could have had to accommodate everything. And we started talking about how do you come up with 100 acres in Colorado Springs? And it would have cost a minimum of $20 million for like 70 or 80 acres is the best deal that we had seen. And it was hard to come by that much acreage inside of Colorado Springs. And it just wasn't working. So anyway, long story short, the Lord just led us to this place 15 miles from Colorado Springs in a much prettier place, beautiful, and led us to 157 acres that started out at $10 million for 157 acres. And when we got it, it was $4 million. And it has a $3 million lodge on it. The property is probably worth maybe $16 million, 15 or $16 million. We got it for $4 million with a $3 million lodge on it. Somebody asked Jamie, do you think that was God? And she said, let me see. $20 million for bare land for 70 or 80 acres. $4 million for 157 with a $3 million lodge on it. Uh, we'd have had to backslide on God to keep from doing this. And you know what? Here's, here's my point in saying all of this. I actually told people in 2008 and 2009, and they were asking me about, what do you believe God wants you to do? And I said, well, here's my dream list. Here's what I would love to have is enough acreage that we could have a conference center and accommodate the ministry and the school and do everything. And they said, so is that God? And I said, you know, if it was anybody else, And for 40 years, you had been praying and say, God, take this desire away if it isn't you. And it just persisted and got stronger. If it was anybody but me, I'd say, that's God. But I said, you know, it's just such a huge step for me. I just am not prepared to say that God is God. But I said, if you had to press me, I'd say, that must be God leading me to do it. And for 40 years, I've had this dream in my heart. And I'm in a position right now to where all of this is coming to pass. We've bought this property. We're in the process of developing it and doing this. And we're going to raise up. I believe that God is eventually going to have over 2,500 people in our Bible college. And these students will go around the world just like the Forgestons that are in India. We've got people in Uganda, South Africa, the UK, Ireland, Belize. Where else? Thailand. we got people all over the world. They're changing people's lives. And I really believe that God is just doing something awesome. And you know what? Forty-something years ago, God put this desire in my heart before I knew any of the details. And I'm in a position right now where I'm seeing a desire that I've had for four decades come to pass. And it turned out it was God. Four decades ago. There are some of you that have dreams in your heart. And you know what? You've just let life beat it out of you. You've put it on the shelf and thought, well, that's not me. You know, Moses had a dream in his heart. And it took 40 years before he even began to see it come to pass. There are some of you that, you know, if you are just getting up and trudging through life and if it's a drag... If if your job is a drain on you, if you aren't energized, 
If you aren't excited to go to work feeling like, man, I'm making a difference. I believe you've missed God. Your life should be exciting. Serving God is not boring. If you're bored, you have not found God's will for your life. Following God's will is like riding a roller coaster. And I can guarantee you there's going to be excitement at every curve. There is going to be a challenge. And if you aren't challenged, if you aren't stretched, if you aren't excited about the future, you've missed God. God didn't make any of us to just occupy space. And again, that doesn't mean every one of you is supposed to be out reaching millions of people, but every one of you should be so excited. You know, I had a Bible study in Lamar, Colorado, and there were seven ladies who were sisters. And they just, I mean, they got fanatical about God. One of them had a little one-year-old baby that pulled over a motorcycle, one of those 1,100-something motorcycles, and it landed on top of this one-year-old baby and flattened its skull. Just flat. The lady got up and pushed the head back into the normal shape and prayed over it and commanded it to live, and the baby came back to life. And today is probably graduated from high school. I don't know. And the same lady, she, she had other sisters. Their mother died. And they called all seven of the sisters together. And they went over and prayed over and raised her from the dead. And she got up and walked two miles into town, bought groceries and came back. You know what? These ladies aren't necessarily on television. They aren't preachers, but they're just walking in the supernatural power of God. And Lamar, Colorado knows that they're there. And there's been people born again and they're making a difference. Their life counts. And they get to minister to people every single day. God doesn't want everybody in the ministry as such, but He does want everybody in the ministry as such. He does want every one of you to be living a life that is so exciting that, man, you're just excited about what is God going to do with us today. Your life ought to be counting. You ought to be a part of a church where you could be involved and be a part of something bigger than yourself. The American dream is not God's dream. God wants you to be impacting people. I've read about many people and when they die, nobody sits there on their deathbed and says, oh, I wished I'd have had a bigger house. Oh, I wished I'd have had nicer cars. I wished I'd have had more diamonds and jewels. Every person, if you have regrets at the end of your life, it's about I wished I could have impacted people more. I wished I could have touched more people. It's all people that you think about. God is in the people business. God wants you, every one of you, have a purpose. And it's somehow or another going to relate to changing people. You know, David Hardesty down here had a friend who was a garbage collector. And he believed beyond any shadow of a doubt that God had led him into the garbage collecting business. He says, somebody's got to collect the garbage. It would be unhealthy if you didn't. And this guy collected the garbage and man, he would straighten up everybody's garbage can and always put it in a nice deal instead of just throw it around and break something and throw trash around and he would minister to people and he used collecting garbage to witness to people and he was so fulfilled every day. He got to tell somebody about the Lord. He got to show somebody the kindness of God. I'm not saying you have to be a politician. Can you be a politician and a Christian? No, that's... But I'm just saying that you know what? Every one of us 
has something supernatural. God wants to make your life count. Man, your kids, your grandkids, your neighborhood kids, friends and relatives, your life ought to be exciting. You ought to be excited about the impact that God is using. If you aren't excited about your life, you are missing God's will. If you don't wake up in the morning and say, Father, thank you for the privilege of another day. If you wake up and say, oh God, another day. You don't know God's will. And brothers and sisters, I just know in my heart right now that probably a majority of fanatics sitting in this room right now aren't thrilled about your life. You're doing things because situations demand it. You don't feel like you are moving in a, in a specific direction. You're kind of like a pinball that you just pull back the lever and you launch it and it's just boing, boing, boing. You just bounce off things. This job didn't work and so they're going to hire you and you're going to go over here and you don't have any direction from God. It's just, this is the way things have worked out. I'm telling you, that's not God. God doesn't just sovereignly, automatically take you. God reveals Himself to you. I could go into hundreds of examples in the Word. He, you will have an encounter. God will put things in your heart. God will lead you, and there's multiple ways He can do it. But to me, probably the number one way that God just shows you His will and, and you learn how to follow God's will is by putting God first, and then God will give you the desires of your heart. He'll put His desires in your heart. And again, I, I hope I'm not hurting you, but you know, sometimes you got to terrify people before you edify them. Sometimes you got to get people with a holy dissatisfaction before they'll change. And there's some of us that have just, we've acclimated to being bland, to not having a purpose, for not being excited about our life. We've accepted it. There's some people that just look around and think, well, everybody's as miserable as I am. (laughs) Nobody has any direction for their life. Well, the sad thing is, yes, the majority of people do not have direction, but I'm telling you that God has a plan for your life. God wants to do something special with you. And you know what? If you would just put God first, truly delight yourself in the Lord with all of your heart, then God would start changing the desires of your heart. And with some of you, God may have given you desires decades ago that you have just let life force you out of doing what God called you to do. That's not right. God's got something better for you. And I believe that this weekend, one of the things that God wants to do is to teach you how to follow His will. And it could be as simple as just putting God first and then doing the things that you desire to do. Amen. You know, I have people all the time say, well, did you pray about where you should go and what you should do? You know what? Basically, I run my life this way that I just seek the Lord with all of my heart. And then when people ask me to go places, you know what? I do what I want to do. (laughs) And some people think, how carnal is that? That's spiritual. You know what? I wanted to come to Atlanta. I want to be here. I think we've had a great inroad, an opportunity here, and I'm I'm excited about this. And I came here because I wanted to be here. I don't do things that I don't want to do. 
Some of you are just appalled at that because you aren't seeking God and you you got a lot of wants that you know aren't right. Amen. <laughs> but I'm saying you can get into a place where you're putting God first and you know what? You just do what you want to do because you trust that God is putting His desires in your heart. Now again, that's not for every person in this room, but for those of you who would put God first and delight yourself in the Lord, God will literally start changing the desires of your heart and you can bank on it. You can trust it. And it'll never lead you wrong. I've given you maybe four or five examples. I could give you a hundred examples at least. No exaggeration. I mean dozens and dozens of times that this has worked in my life. I've proven it. I would recommend it. And let me just say that if you have a desire, if you know that God is first, and if you have a desire and yet you aren't following the desires of your heart, you're disobeying God. That's the way that God leads you. It's not all an audible voice. God's not going to appear in a visible form to everyone. He, God says it in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please Him. God reveals Himself to you in subtle ways. And one of the subtle ways is just when you're seeking Him, He just starts changing the desires of your heart. Jesus could have come on a 747 jet and landed in Jerusalem. But He came in a meek and lowly way, revealed Himself to humble people so that even His parents... Did you know Joseph had to take it by faith that Mary was conceived uh, a virgin birth instead of having a relationship with somebody else? God could have done it in some extraordinary, supernatural, spiritual way, and yet He delights in doing things in a subtle way. When Jesus rose from the dead, there were hundreds of thousands of people that saw Him crucified. All He had to, would have had to have done is just hover over Jerusalem and let everybody see Him. And yet He never appeared to a single person that wasn't already a believer. He could have forced people into believing, but that's not what he wants. He wanted people to believe. And there was enough evidence that if a person wanted to believe, they could believe. But he didn't force anybody. And most of us are praying, God, just show me what you want me to do. He has been through the desires of your heart. He's put desires in your heart that if you would just be bold enough to step out and do it, Man, your life would take on meaning. It would be exciting. It would count. You would change other people. It would be well worth it. But you know what? You got to get out of the boat. You got to take a step and get out on the water. And people say, I'm afraid I'll sink. I got to stay in the boat. Did you know that in Matthew chapter 14, the boat was full of water. They were sinking. There was very little difference between being in the boat and out of the boat. At least out of the boat, you were following God. You were taking a chance. But if you stayed in the boat, they were all going to drown. We're so afraid of getting out of the boat. We want to be like everybody else and get up and go to work and come home and watch television and go to bed and get up and go to work and be in the same rut that everybody else is in. We're so afraid of being different and yet you're miserable. I'm just encouraging you to get out of the boat. What have you got to lose? Well, I could lose my pension. Shoot. Who cares? Who cares? 
I've had people come and say, man, I know God is telling me to come to the Bible college, but I've only got two more years before my full retirement kicks in. I said, well, God didn't know that. He must have told, he, he told you at the wrong time. He should have waited two years. But all logic would tell me, I've got to finish out my time so I can get my, you know what? If God puts something in your heart, do it. Do it now. Now there may need to be some wisdom. I'm saying God can lead you in sometime. There's a timing, but basically just don't sit still. Make sure you're moving in that direction. You know, one of the things we tell our students all the time, when people talk about coming to the Bible college and they say, I believe God is wanting me to do it, but I've got to sell my house. I've got to do this, 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 and this. I said, do something. Do something. Take a step. And they said, well, what can I do? And I said, well, put a $100 uh, registration down and take a step and see what will happen. You know, if you get a boat moving, even if it's barely moving, the rudder can change the direction. But if you are sitting still, you could flip the rudder 360 degrees and you'll never get any direction out of it until you start taking a step. And I tell people, do something. And even if you make a mistake, then you'll know that it was wrong because you won't, you'll say, oh, this wasn't it. But at least you're moving. You got to move. You got to do something. Take a step, move in some direction. And if you aren't totally sure, then don't go full steam ahead. Just move slowly, but start doing something. Move. Make a decision. It's like those lepers that were at the gate of Samaria. I think it, I forget, Second Kings something. And they said, how long are we going to sit here? Till we die? They said, there's a famine in the city. If we go into the city, we're going to die. They were eating cows dung and eating their own children. Everybody was dying in the city. They said, if we sit here, we're going to die. Let's go out and, and reveal ourselves to the Syrians. The, least they, the most they could do is kill us. It says, we're going to die anyway. If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die. Let's go out to the Syrians. And they took a step and went out, put their life in jeopardy. But what good was it anyway? They were going to die. And they just took a step. And you know, when they did, all of a sudden, they found out that the Lord had already defeated the Syrians. All of their tents were empty. Their food was still on the fire cooking. They had gold. They had silver. They had raiment. They became wealthy overnight. And they became the ones that brought the good news and brought deliverance to the entire city of Samaria. And they became heroes because somebody finally said, how long am I going to sit here till I die? There's some of you that know you need to do something different and yet you're afraid to do it. It's a definition of insanity to do the same thing and pray for different results. You got to do something. Do something. Even if it's wrong. God could bless doing the wrong thing because you are trying to move in faith more than He could bless doing nothing because you're in oper operating in fear, which is unbelief. It's better to take a step of faith and fail than it is to do nothing and succeed. Man, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to stir you up. If I don't stir you up, you're going to settle to the bottom. You need to be stirred up. God wants you to do something bigger than what you're doing. He wants you to reach your full potential. 
Man, I'm praying that when my life is over, I'm going to look back and say, Father, thank you. I've run the race. I've finished the course. I gave it everything I've got. I don't want to reach the end of my life and say, you know what? I wished I'd have done what was really in my heart. Boy, to the best of my ability, I'm doing what's in my heart. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. God loves you. God wants you to prosper. And there's some of you trying to get satisfaction and contentment and peace. And you pray and you study the word and you go to church and you're living a holy life and you just can't understand why you aren't satisfied. It's because you aren't doing what God called you to do. There is a satisfaction that comes with being in the center of God's will that you will never experience being out of God's will. I don't care if you love God and if you're living holy and a blessing to other people. You just need to be where God wants you to be to get that full benefit of satisfaction and contentment. There is a holy dissatisfaction in many of you and you've been trying to get rid of it and rebuking the devil and it's God. That's stirring you up and trying to let you know that there's something more. Amen or oh me. You know, I want to ask tonight, just like I've done in the past, if you've been stirred up and if you can't say that you know for sure that you're doing what God called you to do, I want to have you respond and let me pray for you. And again, let me just... um, say that this doesn't mean that you feel like you're doing everything perfectly. You know what? I've got some big things out in front of me that I've got. It's going to take a lot. And I haven't reached all of the potential that God has shown me and led me to do. But I can guarantee you I'm heading in that direction. I am taking steps. I'm going that way. I hadn't arrived, but I've left. And so there's some of you that maybe you do have a dissatisfaction and you know you haven't done everything, but you're doing everything you know. And it does take a period of time to see God's will come to pass. So I'm not trying to get you off course. If you've already headed in that direction and you have a goal and you're heading in that direction, I don't want you to respond. But I do want people who say that, you know what, I don't know for sure what God's will is. Maybe you could even say that I am dissatisfied and I am not fulfilled and I know it's because I've got dreams in my heart that I've let go. And man, I need to change. If you're willing to change, if you're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to make a decision. And the the first step here, I'm just asking you that if this is you, I want you to stand, identify yourself and say, God, I'm repenting of this and I'm going to make a commitment to move in the direction to find out what this is and to not be the way I am right now next year. If you are willing to identify yourself and say, man, I don't know for sure what God's will is, or maybe I've got these dreams and I haven't been following it. I want to stand and repent of this, and I'm going to get on track. I want you to stand right where you are, and I want to pray for you and believe God to start revealing to you His will and allow you to follow it. Praise God. You know, I don't know exactly what percentage this is, but it's probably 50%, something like that. Again, I'm not saying any of these things to condemn you, but there's many of you that are wondering why you aren't more excited, why you aren't just thrilled, why 
you aren't experiencing the joy and the peace of the Lord, if you don't know what God's will is, if you've allowed yourself to be poured into the mold of this world, you don't have to look any further than this. This is absolutely essential that you find out what God's will for your life is. You know, I believe there's probably some people out there that are sitting down because you don't want anybody to know. I'm going to pray this won't work unless you're standing. You got to humble yourself. If you're going to receive this, you got to stand and humble yourself. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you and we thank you, Father, for loving us. And I I believe with all of my heart, Father, that you created every person here with a supernatural divine purpose. That, Father, none of us are mistakes. And regardless of how many hardships or problems we've had in our life, the Word says, Romans 11, 29, that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Father, I believe that whatever your original plan was, that you can still make it come to pass, that you have a way of redeeming whatever mistakes we've made. So, Father, for all of these people that have humbled themselves, that have stood, that said that they don't know for sure that they are in the center of your will, that there is a holy dissatisfaction on the inside of them. Father, I'm praying right now that you would just reveal yourself to them. Father, we do what your word says in Psalms 37, 4. We delight ourselves in you. We make a commitment, Father, that we want your will more than we want our own will. Father, more than conventional wisdom, more than what our parents told us we had to do or whatever. Father, we want your will. We are willing to lay down our life. We are willing to go anywhere, to do anything. We want to make ourselves a living sacrifice. We want to put you first. You know, if you hadn't prayed that, if this is the first time that with conviction you have really meant that, As I pray these words, I just want you to repeat them and to mean this in your heart to God. That, Father, I am making you a living sacrifice. I'm making myself a living sacrifice unto you. I want you to have absolute control of my life. Father, I'm, I'm putting everything on the table. Nothing held back. No reservations. I will not limit you. Whatever it is that your plan for my life is, I turn my life over and I delight myself in you. And Father, I believe that you are going to start leading me and giving me direction by the desires that are in my heart. Father, I thank you for it. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit is going to give me wisdom to be able to discern between the soul and spirit between the flesh and the godly desires of my heart. Father, we pray that and I believe that you are doing this for every one of these people standing. Father, we agree and we receive that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, I want to encourage you that if you really meant that, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, I believe it is, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth seeking to show himself strong in behalf of those who are perfect in his sight. Perfect in his sight doesn't mean that you're sinless. It just is talking about people who are mature, people who have made God the center of their life. And you just made a commitment 
The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro to see this. And God is here. And God saw your commitment. And it says in uh, Timothy, either 1st or 2nd Timothy 1, 12, that He is faithful and just to keep that which you commit. If you truly made that commitment, God's going to hold you to it. God will remind you of it. And God will begin to start working in your life. This is not in vain what you did. God saw it. God saw your heart. And I really believe that there are going to be some of you, if the Lord tarries, you'll look back at this day. Is this the 15th of April? Tax day? You're going to look back at this 2010 and you're going to say, my life changed right there when I started making this decision and followed the desires of my heart. And some of you in the future will look back and see that your life made a radical turn for the good because of this decision. I really, really believe that. Amen. You know, if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus, I can guarantee you that getting born again, turning your life over to Jesus and making Him your Savior and receiving the forgiveness of your sins is part of God's will for your life. It says He is not willing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So God wants every single person born again. There's no way that you can dedicate your life to the Lord without dealing with this issue. You've got to, first of all, make Him your Lord and Savior and receive salvation. If there's anybody here who's never done that, that's the very first commitment that you need to make. And I want to give you that opportunity. Also, when you get born again, the Lord told His disciples, don't leave Jerusalem, don't talk to anybody, don't do anything until you receive power from on high, until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then in the next chapter, Acts chapter 2, when they received the Holy Spirit, man, the Bible says that they spoke with tongues and they just were transformed people. You need the Holy Spirit. And to go along with what I was saying tonight, God's going to call you to do something beyond your natural ability. And you can't fulfill God's will without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, which includes a lot of things, but it includes speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you need to speak in tongues. And I know some of you, I'm here in the Bible Belt, and some of you think, oh man, my church doesn't preach this. That's the reason I'm not in your church. <laughs> but you know what? I, I guarantee you this experience I talked about, I received the gift of Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, and that is an important part. I'll be talking about that more, but you need the ability to speak in tongues and have God give you, quicken your understanding and give you revelation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. I'm not saying that you have to have it to go to heaven. Somebody says, so you believe you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues to go to heaven. No, I don't. I believe you could actually get to heaven quicker if you don't speak in tongues. Because you aren't going to have any power. And you are going to be able to overcome sickness. And you're going to get killed along the way. But yeah, you can still go to heaven. I don't believe you have to have the Holy Spirit to love God or to have God love you. But if you want power, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. So is there anybody here who would say, I either need to be born again, make Jesus my Savior, and or I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. 
You know, if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward? And we want to pray with you and help you to receive. Come forward right now. Praise the Lord. Isn't this great? Let's praise God. Hallelujah. You know, somebody might be thinking, well, I'm not sure about all of this. Well, I am. I'm absolutely sure. I can guarantee you that every person in here needs to be born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. That's God's will for every one of you without exception. Somebody might say, well, I'm just not, you know, I, I've prayed and I've asked for this. And I'm afraid I might go down there and nothing happened. Well, I can guarantee you, if you don't come down here, nothing's going to happen. This is like I was talking about. If you have a desire for it, whether you understand it or not, you don't have to have it all figured out. If you just feel a desire, God, I want your power. I know I need more than what I've got, but I'm not sure about all of this. Just come down here and check it out. All we're going to do is lay hands on you and pray for you. And I'm going to give every one of you a free book. Amen. You got nothing to lose and you got a free book to gain. And you could get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this could change your life. Amen. So if you don't speak in tongues, you need to come down here and let us pray with you and help you to receive. All right. Before I pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this gift of speaking in tongues, you first of all have to be born again. The scripture says that Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. So before you receive the gift, you've got to receive the giver. You've got to be sure that you're born again. If you aren't truly born again, you can't receive the Holy Spirit. You first of all have to be born again. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit comes and indwells that temple. Is there anybody down here who's not absolutely sure about whether or not you've been born again and you would like to first of all pray and make sure that Jesus is your Lord. Anybody here like that? Here's one down here. Anybody else? Here's another one. Here's a couple of more. Anybody else? Here's others over here. Praise God. Isn't this great? Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's a lot of confusion. People think that because we live in America, that makes us Christians because we aren't Buddhist or whatever. That's not a Christian. Some people think that if I go to church, that makes me a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. Sitting in a church won't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage and make you a car. You got to be born again. It's all about personal relationship. The Bible says even the devils believe and tremble at the name of the Lord. But won't you know, vain man, that faith without works is dead. It takes more than just believing that God exists. It's making a personal commitment that Jesus is your Lord and receiving Him into your heart. If you haven't done that, you need to pray with me first and be born again. So what I'd like to ask is for all of you who raised your hand also, if there was somebody else who's not sure, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to say the words that you need to say. Now, just repeating these words won't guarantee that you're saved because the scripture says you have to say it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. 
But if you will say these words and believe that what we're saying is true, then according to the Bible, you'll be born again. Romans 10, 9 says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer saying the things that you need to say. And I want everybody to repeat after me. I'd like to ask everybody in here to repeat this so that people won't feel like we're just listening to them. And if you say these words and mean it from your heart, you're going to pass from death unto life. You're going to have your sins forgiven. God is going to come live on the inside of you and you're going to become a totally brand new person. Isn't that a good deal? Awesome. Praise the Lord. So let's just pray. Say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. Right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. You believe that? Awesome. Awesome. You believe that? Awesome. You know, if you prayed that and if you meant it in your heart and believed it, then you just passed from death unto life. You know, you still look the same on the outside. You're either a man or a woman tall or short, whatever. But you know what? Inside the Bible says you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so everybody down here is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to do now is just ask the Holy Spirit to come indwell his temple. God created you to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And so all we're going to do is open up the doors and welcome the Holy Spirit to come. We aren't going to beg. There's a lot of confusion on this. I hadn't got time to teach on it, but some people teach that you got to tarry and you got to wail and travail, and they believe that you got to nearly beg God to get the Holy Spirit. God created you to fill with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit more than you want this. God's been looking for you to turn over the keys of your life and let Him fill you with His power. And so you don't have to beg. All we're going to do, it says in uh, Luke eleven thirteen, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? We aren't going to beg. We're just going to ask. And we're going to ask one time. And then I've got all of our prayer ministers up here. These are people who are already filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues. And the Bible says that through the laying on of hands that the Holy Spirit was given. So we're going to ask... And then they're going to lay hands on you and release the Holy Spirit. And then I want all of you to quit asking. There's a time to ask and then there's a time to believe. I want you to ask and then we lay hands on you and then you quit asking. And we're going to start thanking God. I don't care what you feel like. We aren't asking for a goose bump. We're believing that something deep on the inside is happening and we're going to ask and then I want you to start thanking Him that He gave you the Holy Spirit because He promised He would. Quit asking and start thanking. And when you do that, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands like this because the Bible says when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. 
It's a way of showing surrender. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender, I yield. And so we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on you, and then you're going to start thanking God and praising Him. And those of us that know how to pray in tongues are going to pray in tongues because the Bible says when you are praying in tongues, you are giving thanks unto God. So we are going to start thanking God in this language, and I want you to switch at that time from English into speaking in tongues and start thanking God. And I know many of you think, I don't know how to speak in tongues. How do I do this? I've got a whole book I'm going to give you that will explain it, and uh, I haven't got time. I'm not going to take time to go into more detail, but you can speak in tongues. The biggest mistake that people make is they, they don't want it to be them. They want it to be the Holy Spirit, and they don't want to feel like they've made something up and just done it on their own, and so they just wait on the Holy Spirit to take your mouth and make it move. That's not how it works. It's exactly the same as when I preach tonight. I believe that God spoke through me, but He didn't take my mouth and make it move. I spoke. I thought. I made the words. That's the reason it came out with my sense of humor, my Texas twang. It was me talking, but I believe God inspired it. It's the same thing. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they spoke with tongues as the Holy Spirit gave the inspiration. The Holy Spirit inspires it, but you have to speak. He will not force you to speak. You have to speak and by faith believe it's the Holy Spirit. And once you start doing this, you'll find out it just rolls out of you. And you can speak and you can... And uh, anyway, I've, again, got a book that will help you. But that's what we're going to do. And if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. Okay? Everybody understand what we're going to do? I want you to say this. The Bible says that believers will speak with tongues. So say, I'm a believer. I will speak with tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. And now they are born again. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come into these lives right now. We open up the doors of our temple. Holy Spirit, come and fill us right now. We give you freedom and liberty. We want your power in our life, your gifts. We just open up our heart now in Jesus' name. We lay hands on you and say, Receive the Holy Spirit right now in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we loose this power and this anointing to flow through these right now in Jesus' name. Praise God. Boy, right here is the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, we loose this anointing to flow through these right now in Jesus' name. Now let's put your hands up and start thanking God. You can start in English if you want to, but start saying something out loud. Talk. Thank you, Father, for that you gave me the Holy Spirit. Thank you that from now on, it's not me, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that I am God-possessed. That, Father, your power is on the inside of me. Thank you that you said you would give the Holy Spirit. I receive it. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's just begin to start speaking in tongues right now. Come up here. Let's just worship the Lord. Speak in tongues. You know, if you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear somebody else saying, but I can promise you, you can't talk in somebody else's tongue. 
you can't copy their tongue. Yours will come out different. But when you try and say what somebody else says and it doesn't come out the same, just keep talking. You'll find out that it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit that's inspiring it. And it's power. It'll release supernatural power in your life. Thank you, Jesus. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open your mouth. That's it. Just keep speaking. Man, there's lots of people speaking in tongues. Lots and lots of people speaking in tongues. You may not understand this, but it's powerful. I've got a book that will explain it. It'll help you. Man, just let it flow out of you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me have your attention here for a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But we do want to give you a book. This, if you understand what's happening, this could be the most important thing that's happened to you since you got born again. This has the potential of changing your life as far as what you experience right here in this life more than your forgiveness of sins. Because this is where the power comes upon you to start living the abundant life. But you've got to understand it. And I know that many of you have questions. There may be some of you that didn't speak in tongues. Just about everybody I saw was speaking in tongues. But you know, when I first prayed for the Holy Spirit, I didn't speak in tongues. And yet I had the power evident in my life. But when I started speaking in tongues, it was just like turning up the power. And it's very important that you go ahead and experience the fullness of what God has for you. But whether you spoke in tongues right now or not, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit. You just need to go ahead. And I've got every objection that I had to the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues. I've written it out in this book and I explain it. And we've had thousands of people go ahead and start receive the gift of speaking in tongues through this. So it'll really help you. Plus, we've got some people that will give you the book. And if any of you have any questions, if you need prayer for anything, if you didn't speak in tongues and you want to speak in tongues right now before you leave tonight, there's people that will pray with you. So we just want to help you any way we can and make this uh, the most important thing that's happened to you since getting born again. Amen. So if you would, who's going to... Ashley over here has his Bible in the air and we've got a room right across the hall. We've got our books in there. They want to give it to you and just if there's anything we can do to help you, if you would, please follow them over there. We'll give you the book. They'll pray with you and you can come right back into the service. It'll only take a few minutes, but we want to make sure you get the full benefit. So just follow Ashley right through these doors. Praise God. Isn't this great? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You know, we probably got as many people here as they had in the upper room. Man, that changed the whole world. That ought to at least change Atlanta. Praise God.
Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Father. That's your son? Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. You know, these people that are left down here, these are our prayer ministers. And what we're going to do now, we're going to pray for you. And you know, it may be concerning direction for your life. Maybe you've already made this commitment, but you just want somebody to just agree with you that you receive this wisdom and that you have the boldness to step out. Or you might need physical healing or you might have a financial problem. But if you need prayer in ministry, a lot of people want me to pray for them and I'm willing to pray for you, but I cannot pray for every person in here. And these are all people that have been through a training with Melinda. Melinda right here is the head of our prayer ministry and they've been through a training. They know how to pray according to the word. They aren't going to ask God. They are going to take their authority and command. Pastor Bobby Ray right here has traveled with me a lot. This man has a gift of healing and sees great miracles. He was in a wheelchair last time I saw him, tried to kill himself. And God, not really, but he had a, a motorcycle accident and God has restored him. And all of these, they're just people that love God Many of them are Bible college students. They've been sitting under the Word. And so my point is, please don't feel like I'm the only one that can pray for you. These people are here and we can pray for every person in here very quickly if you'll just come and let them pray for you. As you come and let them pray for you, I'll also be leading in prayer. And we see a lot of miracles happen through a word of knowledge. And we're going to stay here and minister to people. Uh, so you're free to stay and pray with us if you want to. But if you need to go, you're free to go. Don't forget that we have CDs and DVDs of tonight's message already duplicated. They're out there and you can pick them up. We'll be back. We've got four more services in the next two days. And we want to see God really touch people's lives. So come and bring somebody with you. If you would like prayer, come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers pray for you. We have people stationed at the aisles and what they're going to do is direct you to someone so that everybody won't just stand here in front of Bobby Ray or someone else. You will be directed to a person. We're going to pray with you and we're going to believe God for miracles in your life. The rest of you, you're welcome to stay and pray with us. You're free to go if you need to. Thanks for coming. Praise God. I believe you're never going to be the same again. I believe you've been stirred up in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you and we believe that your power and your anointing is flowing towards every one of these in Jesus' name. Father, we believe that you've already provided whatever it is that they need. We believe that your healing power is already here. And we take that authority and just release it right now in the name of Jesus. We command healings to flow. Man, I hear the Lord saying that the power of the Lord is present to heal. You know, whatever it is that you need, I believe that God's healing you tonight. God's healing somebody here that's had a hernia esophagus. You got a hernia right here in your esophagus and it causes problems. Who's this? If this is you, I want you to stand or wave your hand if you're already standing so I can see. Here's a person back here. Here's one here. Anybody else that's had a herniated esophagus, here's another one. Do any of you have any pain with it right now? 
You have pain now? No pain now? You got pain now? All of you are going to be healed. And I believe that your pain's going to leave, and that'll just be a token to you and to everybody else that you're healed. Amen? Father, we just thank you. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we command this hernia in the esophagus to be healed in these now. In Jesus' name. Pain, you leave them right now. In Jesus' name, be gone. And Father, I loose your anointing to restore whatever damage was done. And we believe that they are healed right now. All of them healed in Jesus' name. No more pain. No more problems. In the name of Jesus. Amen. How you doing? You got any pain? Excuse me? Come here. You got burning. You said you had pain. Do you have pain or burning? It's burning. All right. You still have some? Father, we thank you that you've already healed these. I believe that. You called this out. I command this burning to leave her right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Right here is the anointing of Jesus. I command that burning to be gone. Burning leave in Jesus' name. And Father, we receive this healing now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You receive that? You got any burning? Can you tell a difference or is it better safe? Seems lighter. You're healed. You are healed. Praise the Lord. I believe all of you are healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we receive this. We receive these healings right now. You know, there's people here that are having problems. I'm going to say it this way. You're having problems with your plumbing. Not in your house, in your body. Amen. That's a polite way of saying it. There could be a lot of different things. But anyway, irritable bowel syndrome, whatever it is. If you've been having problems with that, I want you to stand. Or if you're already standing, wave your hand so I can see who I'm praying for. You need to do something and say, this is me. I'm receiving my healing. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Father, right now, for all of these that are having problems with this, we just release your healing power. We command these bowels, these bladders, whatever is wrong in the name of Jesus to be healed. We command infection to be gone now in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. There's some of you that right now you can feel in your body that you're healed. Like that woman who had the issue of blood and she felt in her body that the blood had stopped. You can feel in your body right there that whatever was wrong is gone. There's the healing power of the Lord. Father, I thank you and I believe that these plumbing problems are over now in Jesus' name. Whatever the problem was, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's a powerful anointing. Somebody here has been having a real problem being able to, to go to relieve yourself. God's healing you. I would say set you free, but we're going to reserve that until you get in a place to where you can be free. Amen. But you are healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we receive this healing. Thank you, Father. We agree and we receive it 
in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, lots of people. There's somebody here that's got a crooked spine. I mean, it's not just curved. I, we can pray for curvature of the spine, but somebody's got a crooked spine. It's, it's crooked. Is this you? Scoliosis. Stand up. Anybody here that's got a crooked spine? Here's another one. Here's others. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for straightening these people up. Just as that woman who was bent over and could in no way straighten herself up and you set her free. I command freedom on them. Satan, you let them go. You spirit of infirmity, let go of them. I command these spines to become straight now in Jesus' name. Curvature of the spines, scoliosis. Leave these people now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I believe God's healing you. You know what? Some of you are going to be able to measure yourself and your, your spine has been realigned. You had a leg that was shorter, hip problems and stuff. I believe that everything's going to straighten out. You'll see a difference. Amen? Lord was healing somebody right over here of uh, deafness or you got a partial deafness hearing problem. Identify yourself right here. Praise the Lord, brother. I believe God's opening your ear. Anybody else here got a hearing problem? I want you to stand up and raise your hand if you have problems with your ears. Praise God. If this is you, I want you to stand up and raise your hand so I can see who this is. Thank you, Father. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus and we release your healing power. We command deafness to go. Any hearing deficit to leave these bodies. Satan, you loose them and let them go. Deafness, leave their body right now. And Father, I loose your anointing and I believe that ears are opening right now. I command the volume to come up for certain pitches to come back unto them. Somebody was having a ringing in your ear, a hiss in your ear. And here's the healing power of God. And that hissing is leaving you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, we agree and we receive these miracles now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, I believe God healed you. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Who in here already can tell a difference in your hearing? If you can tell a difference, either the volume's gone up or the noise has decreased or something. Anybody? Here's one right here. Praise the Lord. Can you tell a difference? Wonderful. Anybody else? Anybody else? Here's another one over here. Can already tell a difference in their hearing. Anybody else over here? Anybody else? You can tell a difference in your hearing. You know, I want to encourage you that if God healed two people, He healed them all. God's not the variable. God has released His healing power. You just need to believe and receive and stand on it. You know, when we were in um, Phoenix back in January, a friend of mine, he prayed with us that night and didn't notice anything different. But the next morning when he took the trash out, he could hear the crickets chirping. He could hear sounds that he had never heard before. And so in just a very short period of time, his ears opened up. I believe that God's healed every single person in here. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this. 
Thank you for healing these people now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Boy, a lot of miracles are taking place down here. I believe people are being healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord just spoke to me that somebody's had like vertebras crushed, compressed vertebras. You had some kind of an injury that has compressed your vertebrae and you've had pain associated with this. Who's that? Right here? Other people. If this is you, I want you to stand up. Stand up and hold your hand up. We're going to pray for you. And I believe God's healing these vertebrae. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Praise God. Quite a few of them. Father, we agree. And right now, in the name of Jesus, for these people that have crushed these vertebrae in their back, we loose your anointing right now and speak healing to these. That, Father, if you have to inflate those vertebrae or whatever you have to do, if you have to fix surgery, fusions, we loose the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that you are healing these people right now in Jesus' name. We command pain to be gone out of their back. Right there is the anointing of God. I want you to begin to move. If you couldn't move, if it hurts you to move, begin to move right now. Here's the anointing of God setting you free. Father, we receive these miracles. Thank you for healing these people right now in Jesus' mighty name. Pain, you be gone. And all of the root of that pain, be gone. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, we agree. We receive it in Jesus' name. Who in here can already tell a difference in your back or whatever? Right here's a lady. Here's another one. Anybody else over here? Here's another one. Already tell a difference. Can you tell a difference? Are you the same? Oh, you are not one we were praying for. Anybody else? Can you tell a difference already? Here's another one over here. Isn't that great? And you know what? God didn't just release His power to some. He released His power to everyone. It may take a period of time, but I believe every one of you are healed. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and believe for your healing power flowing on these now. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You know, there's lots of people, the Lord's speaking to me, that there's lots of people in here that you struggle during this pollen season and you struggle with allergies and things like that. If that's you, I want you to stand and we're going to break this over you. You do not have to have allergies and reactions to pollen. You know what? I was out today all day long walking. We were playing golf. And man, pollen everywhere. And I didn't have a single problem. You don't have to be that way. God did not make you to be that way. If this is you going to receive prayer, I want you to lift your hand so I'll see who's receiving this prayer. Father, we just agree right now and we break these allergies. Father, all of these allergic reactions in the name of Jesus, we just command whatever is wrong in these bodies that makes them so sensitive to things that you created. Father, I believe that that has changed right now. I believe that their body is recovering. That, Father, they will put out the histamines or whatever needs to happen so that they can 
function normally without being bothered by this, without their eyes swelling up, their nose running, their sinuses getting plugged up, any type of reaction, we rebuke these things. Satan, we command you to loose these people and let them go now in the name of Jesus. Allergies, you be gone right now. Bodies, be healed. And Father, we just thank you and praise you that from this time forth, we're going to be able to enjoy spring and enjoy the creation that you've made. And we are not going to have these problems. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. We agree and we receive it in Jesus' name. Is there anybody in here that already had problems or something and you feel relief from it? Amen. Here's one back here. He can sure tell the difference. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Here's another one. Already tell the difference in their body. Anybody over here? Here's one over here. Praise God. I believe that that same power went for every one of you. Every one of you, I believe, are manifesting a healing of that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Father, we agree. We receive. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we agree. We receive this healing power now in the mighty name of Jesus. That's right. That's right. I believe you're healed, brother. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree. We receive all of these healings. Thank you, Father, that you love us, that you want us well. We receive your healing power. Holy Spirit, we loose your anointing to flow through every person here, every single person. Father, everyone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Lord spoke to me that there's somebody here that you don't have any big thing wrong with you and you're just sitting there wondering about whether or not this is all real or not. But the Lord just spoke to me that you've just had a little headache. It's not a major thing, but you've got a headache and God is going to heal you right now just to show you that He loves you and He wants you set free. Who's this that had a headache? You've got a headache right now. God's going to set you free. Where are you? Stand up. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Here's some people over here. Anybody else? Here's some over here. Father, I thank you that you love these. And Father, just to show them how much you love them, right now we command the headache to be gone. We command every bit of pain to be gone. And whatever's causing that, loose them and let them go right now. Right now in Jesus' name. And you know, this is going to do much more than just relieve you of a headache. This is going to be a big thing in your life. It's going to show you that God loves you. The Lord just spoke to you because you were wondering about this. And there's God healing you. And it's going to be more than the removal of pain. It's a reminder that God loves you and knows you personally. Amen? Isn't that good? How do you feel? You got any pain? You're healed. Isn't that awesome? God loves you. 
That's wonderful. Anybody else? Was one over here healed of the pain? Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive these miracles. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we believe that they all receive in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a lot of miracles taking place down here. A lot of great things happening. A lot of people's lives being changed. Jesus is alive and well. And he's making other people alive and well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Well, it's been a good night. We've seen probably a dozen people born again, maybe a hundred or more baptized in the Holy Spirit and a hundred or more healed. And hopefully a lot of people have been stirred up to believe that God has a special plan for their life and is going to use them. Isn't that great? Thank you, Jesus. Don't forget that we have CDs and DVDs already duplicated. Also, we've got tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, Friday night, 7 p.m., Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, and then 6 o'clock p.m. on Saturday night is our service. And we're going to have that meeting about the Bible school on Saturday afternoon, right after the morning service. So if God has stirred you up and if you are thinking about God, I've got to do something. Bible college could be one of the ways that God is leading you. So we encourage you to come and just check it out and see what it's all about. Hear some people's testimonies. You'll be blessed. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you in the morning.